Welcome to the 3D Parent Podcast. My name is Bevan Walters, your host and founder of The 3D Parent. I'm a certified parent coach and have spent the last decade living my calling in life, helping parents navigate the tough stuff like tantrums, sibling conflict, screen time overload, and managing the transition into the teenage years. My purpose is to provide you with the tools you need as a parent to lead with dignity, direction, and deep connection in your family relationships. My goal in creating the 3D Parent Podcast is to inform, empower, and increase confidence in parents so they can trust their instincts and make the best decisions possible for their families. For these reasons, I've rated this podcast FPEO for parents' ears only. Parenting is challenging, but you don't have to do it alone. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 3D Parent Podcast. So I am once again recording today's episode from the inside of our family's little sailboat. And today, for whatever reason, is apparently a really busy day down here in the marina. We have boats coming and going. There is a boat being sanded just a few slips down from where our boat is currently moored. I've already tried to start and restart recording today's podcast numerous times, and I'm just going to go with it. So once again, hopefully these sounds won't be too distracting, and you'll be able to make it through today's podcast and glean the information you came here to hear. So today's topic is RV travel survival tips for newbies. Earlier this summer, in fact, just two days after the school year officially ended, my family and I embarked on an adventure that was new to us, uh, which was renting an RV and heading east. We didn't have plans. We didn't have long-ranged ideas of what we were doing. We literally rented an RV hopped in and headed east. Uh, We are based in Seattle, so we went through Idaho, Montana, into Yellowstone National Park for several days, then out south towards the Tetons in Wyoming, and then we headed kind of back up north again and looped around back to Seattle. It was one of the best trips our family ever had. We made incredible memories, and we did so, again, without a lot of thought. But we also learned a lot, and there were some things that I might have done differently. There were some things that we did well that I would repeat and other things I might do a little differently next time. So I am recording this episode to give you some ideas because RV travel has become really popular this summer. In fact, it has grown. The number of RV rentals has increased 650% this summer, the COVID summer. And a lot of people like us are probably going to do it again because it was so much fun and so successful for our family. Why right now, of course, it's a safe way to travel, a safer way to travel, I should say. It's a way families can stay relatively self-contained, see the country, avoid crowds, take in a lot of nature, and get out of the stir craziness that might be happening in your households. So I'm going to give you some tips, like I said, some things that worked really well for us and other things that we would have done differently. So how does one get an RV to rent? Well, there are companies, well-known companies that are national chains like Cruise America. We rented through Road Bear RV here in Seattle, and you can go online and do a search to see if there's any companies near you. 
You can also do peer-to-peer -peer RV shares. There are sites like outdoorsy.com, rvshare.com, where you can rent just from somebody who owns an RV that's looking to kind of do almost like a timeshare type rental to somebody. This can oftentimes be cheaper, but also there's less oversight and support since you're just renting directly from somebody else. Keep in mind that when you're renting RVs to not just look at the cost of the RV rental, but also what they charge for mileage. Um, it might be included up to a certain point within your rental package, or you might be charged a rental fee and then additional mileage on top of that, um, as well as, of course, gas. So when you're kind of trying to figure out what the cost of this RV trip might be for you and your family, there's a lot to consider in terms of cost. For us, again, we jumped in. We didn't do a lot of planning or forethought. It surprisingly was a bit more expensive than we had anticipated. Had we done our research ahead of time, we could have better budgeted for our trip. But again, we kind of just jumped in and figured out as we went along. In the future, we'll probably do a little bit more planning and budgeting to try and keep our costs a little bit more down than our trip this time around. In terms of planning your trip, my suggestion was to plan your first few days of travel, maybe get a general idea, but then to stay open-ended if possible. Surprises come up. Flexibility allows you to pick up and leave sooner. If you're in a site that's just not working for you or not fun or maybe doesn't feel as safe, maybe people are not being as COVID conscious, or maybe the site is just not what you hoped it would be, well, you could pack up and pick up sooner. Or on the flip side, if you're in a spot that you are just loving and you want to stay put for a few days, you can potentially do so if you are not tied into rentals and planning all along the way. Also, having a more flexible kind of plan-it-as-you-go idea decreases the chance for disappointments for you and your family if things don't end up going as planned. I have a friend, uh, she was a guest on a recent podcast. She had a month-long plan and it completely went sideways when her RV unfortunately broke down and she got stuck in Oklahoma for days and days and days. They got off course, they got off their plans, and there were other factors that came into play for her and her family. They ended up scrapping and going home. So I believe that if you keep things more open-ended, that can really decrease those disappointments. However, you want to make sure that you have the RV rented for long enough so you can have flexibility to do so. In our case, we kind of rented it, didn't really know how long we wanted to go. We were having so much fun. We wanted to extend our trip by a few days. We were not able to do that. In fact, we had to pay a late fee because we ended up deep, deep, deep in Idaho and they wanted it back the next day. We couldn't do so. So we had to pay a late fee and drive way more hours those last two days than we would have hoped to have, but we had to do so. So plan enough time to rent your RV if you're going that route and build in some flexibility if possible. Also know if you want to cut your trip short, know if you can return it earlier and get some of your rental fees back. So kind of just plan for some flexibility to extend or to shorten your trip based on what's going on with you and your family. Next tip is to use technology. Use those GPS, get a hotspot or rent a hotspot. Our RV rental site allowed us to rent a hotspot so that we could use our hotspot while traveling and our kids could tap into technology if they needed it or wanted it for entertainment purposes and we could do the same. And also take advantage of great apps out there to help you with RV tours. Here's some of our favorites. Our road trippers 
app helps you plan routes. It gives you maps and it also provides RV sites along your route that you could check in with to see if they have availability. You might want to consider a Good Sam Club membership, which provides web planning and apps, discounts to RV sites, and reviews of sites that might be great. One of our very, very favorite apps that we used on our tour was the Gypsy Guide Tours. The Gypsy Guide Tours are audible tours that guide you through different really popular destinations, those national parks you may be visiting. Our trip we took to Yellowstone and the Grand Teton, so we used the Gypsy Guide associated with those tours. These are not free tours, but honestly, probably the best $10 we spent on our trip was downloading this app. Here's one of the tidbits that we didn't know going in. Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons have limited to no cell coverage in the majority of the parks. So if you're wanting to look up where you're going, maps, destinations, how to get different places, the sites that you cannot miss and so on, the Gypsy Guide Tour works even if you don't have any type of cell coverage. It was really, really cool to hear information, history, the sites that we just could not miss. We had to pull over and see. And then also stops that were missable if you didn't have time or if it didn't sound like something that your family would be as into and so on. It was a really, really great use of our money. And we got a lot out of that tour. I'm sure there's others. That's just the one that we use. So it's vetted. And I just sent another friend that tip. She just also took a tip to the Yellowstone also said that she and her kids loved hearing all about the sights to see in Yellowstone. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. More tips. Plan for, I'd say, three to four hours max of driving a day. So if you could break up your trip between three to four hours maximum of driving, do so. For obvious reasons, kids start getting stir crazy and wanting to get out and see things. If you can kind of plan your trip out in three to four hour increments, it might make that travel a little bit less exhausting. My next tip, look for RV campgrounds that have dump sites for your waste, for your gray water, that have hookups available for electricity and water. It's best not to travel with your waste and gray water as that will burn through much more of your gas. So if you're looking for campgrounds that provide those services, you're not going to have to be carrying around your waste with you. A, gross, and B, it's going to burn through gas, as I said, because you're carrying extra weight with you, which burns through more gas. There are full-service type campgrounds available to you. Look for KOA, Campgrounds of America, and also Reserve America. There's websites and apps associated with both of those, but those are the ones that are going to have pretty much all the resources that you're going to want. You may not be able to find those type of full-service campgrounds everywhere you go, but if you can at least hit them every so often so you could dump your waste, fill up, or be able to hook up to the sewer so you don't have to be carrying it around in your tanks, even better. When you're in those uh, RV campgrounds, look for what is called pull-through sites. So if you're in a larger RV, it's hard backing up and parking 
So pull-through sites allow you to pull directly into your site. And then when you leave it, you can continue going forward. You don't have to back in and try and steer a large vehicle. That was really helpful. And we tried to stay in those pull-through sites as often as possible. When we had to do the more back-in kind, oh my gosh, it took a lot of effort. It took one kid on one side, me on the other side, directing my husband as he was pulling forward and back and forward and back and so on. So look for those pull-through sites. If you're in a smaller RV, that may not be as necessary, but we were in a larger RV because we have a family of six and we wanted that space. So pull-through sites were key. More tips in terms of how to make this trip more workable for your family. Make a plan for everybody's jobs while you are on your RV trip. Make sure you find ways that everybody can pitch in from the adults all the way down to your children and set those expectations before you leave. I find it really helpful in our family to kind of assign zones. Like you're going to be in charge of this area. You'll be in charge of these jobs on our trip and try to make it be as fair as possible, but also age appropriate and then stay consistent. Everybody pitches in every day in the areas that work well for them, their age, their stage, their skills. Another tip is to have a souvenir budget for your kids. So if you're visiting national parks, there's gonna be lots of opportunities to pop into souvenir shops. And if you have to constantly be giving the yeses and the noes to your kids, you're gonna be constantly facing the choice between keeping the peace and giving lots of yeses and maybe overspending versus giving lots of noes and having the potential for lots of meltdowns. Both are understandable, valid choices given the travel. But if you have a plan ahead of time, you will most likely not have to be navigating those types of choices all the time. What worked really well for me and my family when we've done travel before was to have a budget for each of our kids. This can be really easy if you pre-purchase Visa gift cards before you go, the ones that you can load up a certain amount of money and the kids can have their cards. You could do the same thing with cash. Or in our family, we use the Greenlight app and this is how we pay our kids their weekly allowance. And also we can fund our kids' money for situations like this. If we're going on a trip and we say, okay, everybody has a budget of $20 to use towards souvenirs, we can fund the $20 directly onto their green light app. And then they have credit cards associated with their apps that they could use, or you can kind of deduct the money and you can pay it with your own card, but it gets deducted from their apps. So they could see where it goes and how much they've spent and keep track of that. I find this is really helpful because if you're just that parent bank and your kids are constantly saying, oh, can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have that? They don't really have the same concept for money and how much things cost as they would if they know I have this amount of money to spend and they have to make choices around what they're going to do with that money. If they spend it all on the first day, too bad. You spent all your souvenir money. Or if they want to go about, you know, being really careful and just pick up maybe less expensive items or save up for that one more expensive item, they can do so along the way. Another tip for RV planning, meal plan. So think ahead and plan for the type of kitchen and amenities that you're going to have along the way. RVs typically have kitchens. You're also likely going to have some amenities at the RV parks where you will be staying, things like grills. And so you can plan ahead of time for what your meals will be. Stock up and buy all of the non-perishable food items that you will need for these meals that you're planning around. 
RVs have not a ton of storage, usually within the main cabin, but lots of storage below. So you can buy that non-perishable food items and store them and then bring them out when you need them and you're gonna make that meal. Plan for the obvious type meals that don't require recipes or a lot of thought. Your burgers, your hot dogs, your pasta with sauce, your grilled cheese, those types of items that you don't have to put a lot of thought into. But then you can go ahead and maybe plan some meals that might be a little bit more special or a little bit more exciting. I'm going to include two websites that have great ideas for camping and RV friendly recipes in my show notes. So you can find two links to two really great, well-vetted, family-friendly recipe ideas from those two websites. One is thefrugalgirls.com. The other is rvshare.com. So I will link to a tasty, easy meals to whip up on your RV on the rvshare.com website. Okay, my go-to list of things to bring for this RV trip. Lots of hand sanitizer, wipes, and also air fresheners. Those kind of are self-explanatory. Um, There can be some air funk that can come into RVs when traveling. So finding some air fresheners that you can have can be really, really helpful. Another thing to bring is, or to download rather, are books, movies, music that you can download ahead of time to have on your devices versus just always assuming that you're going to be able to stream those along the way. You might go into places and be out of cell coverage. So if you have certain things already pre-downloaded onto your devices, you won't have to worry about not having access to be able to download them along the way. You're going to want to bring some DVDs. Check to see if your RV, if you're renting it, comes with a DVD player. Most do. And then you could bring your own DVDs or visit a red box before you leave on your trip. So you have those. Those can be really fun during the evenings when people are winding down or if you get caught in uh, bad weather, then you can have DVDs and watch the movies together as a family. Along the idea of bringing food, bring snacks, bring snacks, twice the amount of snacks you think you're going to need. Isn't it amazing how the second you go on a trip, kids become ravenous for snacks. So pack lots of snacks and have them really accessible during the days when you're traveling so you don't have to make lots of stops. Keep in mind that fridge space is pretty limited typically on RVs. So again, as many snacks that you could bring that don't require refrigeration, the better. You want to bring lots of activities and even more importantly, plastic organization boxes where you put in your games, your art supplies, your activities that kids can do while traveling, and also once you're parked at your RV park. If you plan ahead, less chance for kids to start making cries of boredom or having other type of behavior problems while you're traveling. So plan ahead and have that accessible. I found that having it right underneath the table that popped up in the seating in our RV, it was great for my kids to be able to easily access as games, activities, and art supplies while we were traveling every day. Another thing not to bring is too much clothes. Many RV sites offer laundry facilities, so bring enough clothes to get through several days, but know that you're going to have the opportunity to launder them when you get to RV sites that have laundry facilities. Along those lines, don't forget to pack laundry detergent and quarters, lots of quarters, so that you can run the laundry machines and dryers. You're going to want to bring contact hooks, the kind of hooks that you can put up with the really strong stick that also doesn't leave a mark that you can remove them once you're done with your RV trip. This was something that I bought along the way once I realized I didn't have a place to hang up jackets, 
tote bags and things of that nature. So we picked up some contact hooks and adhesive. We hung them up on the backs of doors and other spaces. And it didn't have to have a lot of space and easy access to be able to grab those coats and jackets and sweaters that were hanging up on those hooks. Bring pillows and bedding so you can make your sleeping arrangements as comfortable as possible. Sleeping bags, of course, work great too. But in our case, we had a king-size bed. Our bed at home is a king-size bed. So we just brought bedding from head and made our sleeping arrangements really comfortable. Um, same thing for our older kids, although our little kids love sleeping in sleeping bags and don't find that to be uncomfortable, so that worked great for them. Other things to bring, camping chairs, towels, a charcoal barbecue if you have one and some briquettes, again, to kind of just increase your ways in which you can cook food. Firewood, but check ahead of time. You may be going to some areas that have fire bans currently. Lots of areas in the Northwest have fire bans right now because of drought and risk of forest fire. Bring uh, our family favorite s'mores and s'more fixings and marshmallows and some more roasting sticks. Even if you have a burn ban, you might be able to roast marshmallows over those charcoal briquettes and get creative. So even if you can't have a fire, you might still be able to enjoy s'mores with your family. Cleaning supplies in particular, brooms and swiffers, if these types of things are not provided in your RV. Uh, brooms usually are, Swiffer is which is something I wish I'd had, the wet Swiffers that would allow me to do a quick mop. The floor of the RV, despite our best efforts, got sandy and dirty. And so it would have been really helpful to have a Swiffer along the way. Um, another thing not to leave behind, not to be cheesy, but as a good attitude, RV travel, like our travel, requires a lot of flexibility so that it can be successful for all parents and kids alike. This is an adventure. If it's a new one for you, it may come with a little bit of growing pains along the way. So bring that good attitude. If you bring that, it will be contagious and your kids will work off of that. If you're grumpy and snapping at your kids, chances are increased that your kids will have the same type of negative attitude. So bring that good attitude along so that you can have as much fun as possible on your RV travel vacation. And try it. Don't be scared. Jump in. It might just be one of the best trips your family has ever taken, just like it was for ours. Take care and thanks for listening today. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one -on -one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media. So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the3dparent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D Parent Podcast.